Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Today's guest is Kate Stillman, the founder of the thriving worldwide community of Yoga Healer and Yoga Health Coaching and author of Body Thrive and a new book coming out this year called Master of You. I got to see Kate Stillman present at uh, the She Podcast Conference recently and I was lit up with ideas. And what struck me is how profound her take was on building a community of people that will push you to your greater good and be in flow for a better earth. Kate has somehow managed to marry her background in international environmental politics and policy and Ayurvedic teachings. And I knew I had to have her on the show and share her culture changing ideas with you. Kate founded Yoga Healer in 2001. She's the host of Yoga Healer podcast that has one and a half million podcast downloads so far, 194,000 YouTube views, and 3,500 community members worldwide. I cannot wait to share our conversation. And before we jump into our chat, I always like to give you a peek of what's going on behind the scenes at Little Left of Center. We are in February, and as you may know, I always introduce a new great habit each month. And this month, my habit is monotasking. And I typically have, I don't know, like 20 windows open on my computer and in real life too. And I'm finding that it takes me forever to do a simple task because I'm always a girl interrupted. So I have turned off all of my notifications on my phone and computer outside of actual phone calls. And who calls anybody anymore anyway? So only one task at a time until it's finished. So if you have any tips on this, please text me at 470-242-6311. I really want to optimize this and make it a permanent habit. So this past weekend, I didn't open my computer until midday Sunday and got to spend some really present and quality time with my kids. And I'll tell you, those kids desperately deserve that from me. And it was nice to unsubscribe from so many email lists and not have any notifications or glaring red numbers begging me to open them over the text, email, and social icon. So it's been a challenge so far to only have one window open on my computer. As of right now, I have 18 open. Oh, work in progress, right? But I have taken this entire week off of work to focus on all of the unfinished projects around Little Left of Center, Uh, because as you may know, I do work full time, so a lot of this podcast is being done in stolen hours, so it might be an hour here after work or an hour on the weekend and and kind of fitting it all in, and as you guys know, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. to get some of this stuff down, so it's nice to have this time and space to do it. Um, So... I I do have a lot of unfinished projects around Little Left of Center. I have finally published my website. It still has some tweaking and loose ends to clean up and populate, but I figure better get it out there and adjust than to have it in the dark until it's perfect. I am a recovering perfectionist, so I no longer strive for that, but it's live at littleleftofcenter.co, littleleftofcenter.co. 
And I have five podcast interviews booked this week, and they are ridiculously amazing, amazing people. I cannot wait um, to share some of these conversations and topics with you. Um, And I'm finally launching my weekly blog called Little F Letter. So if you'd like to subscribe to it, it's going to be short. Um, They're going to have three things, one thing to listen to one lesson learned, and one new thing to love. So um, if you want to subscribe to it, go to bit.ly forward slash little f letter. And finally, and most importantly, I'm spending a huge chunk of time focused on applying to TED Talks across the nation and fine tuning my big idea. And while I recognize that this is a ridiculous amount of stuff to get done on my week off, I'm also practicing time chunking so I can optimize the time and space as best I can. So if this is your first time listening to Little Left of Center, welcome. If you are returning, welcome back. I'm so glad that you have returned. I'd love to hear from you about your experience with my show what has moved you? Are you inspired to do something different or think about something in a new way? What are you curious about? What suggestions do you have for me? All of those comments really help me make a better show for you. Text me at 470-242-6311 and let's stay connected. Oh, and of course, please subscribe, rate, and review my show in Apple Podcasts. It really is nice to know you're listening and it helps others find me too. Okay, let's talk to Kate Stillman. Kate, welcome to the show. Can you tell me more about your backstory? How did you get here? Oh, yeah. So I came I came into my path at at Yoga Healer, which is all based on personal and planetary thrive. So we look at both you know people thriving but also our planet thriving. Um I came I came into Yoga Healer into Ayurvedic medicine and yoga from international environmental politics and policy, um particularly focused on global warming. So I have a different story into into yoga and into wellness than a lot of my than a lot of my colleagues. I really came from a, a global public policy background, uh, and I was looking at how, you know, how can I make the biggest difference in my lifetime to leave the planet in a better place than I was finding it. Um, and basically, what happened is in policy, I quickly came to the place of frustration of bureaucracy and wanted to look at how do we help humans become more conscious? And that's what really brought me into Ayurveda. Yeah. So let's back up for a second. When you were growing up, did you grow up in a spiritual household or what was that like for you? Because it sounds like it, it sounds like two polar opposites when in reality, they're probably more intertwined. We just don't connect the two. So I'd love to hear more about you know, your, your interest in, in political policy or, or global policy and uh, the spiritual, how did that awaken for you? Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was in many ways the opposite of growing up in a spiritual household. Like I grew up in an atheist household uh, and very, you know, very based in the material reality of, of the world. And I met, I met my first spiritual teachers in high school uh, working trail crew in the national forest 
out, out West. Uh, and I was volunteering my time to, and living in the wilderness areas, like literally wilderness areas, uh, rebuilding trails. And I, and I met people that had, you know, very educated in terms of global public policy, had that perspective and really woke me up to, you know, what the planet, what the situation was with, you know, the planet and what the situation was with people in public policy. And uh, so it was really in high school. And then going back east, I was raised as a competitive East Coast gal um, in sports and academics and, and all of the all of the things. And I was able to really see the materialistic culture that I had been pretty much bought into, uh, you know, and even in terms of how medicine works. I had a lot of health issues, even though I was very athletic and very in shape as a kid, I had migraines, I had constipation, I had um, allergies that were pretty severe. So I was in and out of, out of allopathic doctor's offices my entire childhood um, and didn't really interface with holistic medicine until I got my, you know, until after my, if you will, um, eco-spiritual awakening and starting to look at like, wait, what is the relationship between all things? What is the relationship between my experience in my body and, and my inputs, including, you know, including people, including food, including beliefs, including, you know, all the things. And that's really, that really helped steer me more towards uh, a lifetime of, of helping people thrive. Where was that moment that it clicked on for you? Did something happen or did you meet a spiritual teacher that that awakened you? Because I feel like there is an awakening that's happening now where people are starting to realize that their chronic illnesses could be because of what they've eaten. And it may not be their fault. It's just what's been around. So it, it has never been connected until now where I think it's a little more um, um, readily available or accessible in terms of putting that together. So what yeah. was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I remember reading Fit for Life in in high school. So coming back from my work in the Forest Service and and reading, you know, just starting to get that connection between food as energy. Which one is Fit for Life? Is that the plant-based guy? Um, what's what's his name? Yeah, I mean, Fit for Life was like just, it was really a lot about plant-based diet. It was, yeah. A, yeah. And it was, I mean, it's not even like, you know, in retrospect, there's so many better books now who fast forward, you know, 40 years. <laughs> so there's, there's better books now, I would say about, you know, just helping people understand seasonal eating and, and understanding the connection between your local ecosystem and your health and uh, how being connected is actually one of the factors, uh, you know, and, for me, in terms of like, what was it? I think it was probably just a series of, it was a series of events. Then in high school, I became part of a group called Mass Hope. It was, I was in Massachusetts and the HOPE stands for High Schools Organized to Protect the Earth. So mm-hmm. as soon as I was, you know, in a way activated or turned on, I started, and I believe this is very, anyone listening is going to understand this. Uh, you know, it's like, as soon as you're wanting to make a change to hang out with other people who are actually making that change it cha- that's the change that changes everything because then you're in the world of higher level thinking in the world of problem solving in the world of ideation and you're less in the world of victim mindset of oh all this is happening to me whether it's health symptoms or whether it's the current state of politics or the current state of uh, ecological health did you feel like you were in the victim mentality or did you feel like you were always more of a doer 
Yeah, I think in terms of how I was raised with standard American diet, um, which is not a living foods diet, it's not an ecologically connected to your ecosystem diet, to say the least, Um, and being in and out of allopathic doctor's offices, which were basically like, you can take a pill, you can have allergy shots. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my nicknames growing up was the pill popper, thanks to my dad (laughs) giving me that name. Uh, so I think I was in an, you know, in an unconscious victim mindset as, as a kid and as a teen before I really, uh, you know, started to educate myself in terms of, is there another way? I mean, and again, that was the eighties. So that was, it was a different climate than, than now, um, literally pre-internet, right? So you can't just like Google holistic headaches, <laughs> And get get some (laughs) clues. Like I didn't know until I was pretty deep into Ayurvedic medicine in my 20s. I didn't understand from a daily habit embodiment perspective how my headaches were linked to um, constipation and how to deeply cure my constipation. So in our Body Thrive course, like habit number three, start the day right, we teach, we, 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 te- we basically teach people how to become pooping champions because <laughs> it's such a huge problem in, in the West. I often cite the stat that, you know, like the number one medicinal tea is smooth move the number one selling medicinal tea. And that tells us that people are not having complete elimination, which means we're bringing waste into our day. So even if we're taking all the right supplements, um, but we're constipated, we're not going to get the level of absorption from the supplements. So we're basically not, I mean, flushing money down the toilet is one way to look at it, but we're not actually getting to the root of the issue. Uh, And so it did take me, you know, quite a while to connect the dots. It's an evolution for sure. And it's it's funny, on a personal note, I am plant-based for this month. So I am uh I'm trying it and I am a pooping champion. Like I am so gassy. And uh, I'm like, I don't know if this is healthy or not, but oh my God. It's uh it's it's been uh it's been interesting. I'm trying to figure out if if this is okay or not. But um Yeah, there yeah, might be so far so good. Uh, yeah, I mean and looking at in Ayurveda, we look at, you know, things like gas is like, there's a, there's usually a lack of absorption with that, or there's a level of like your digestive fire not adjusting to your new diet. Uh, the other thing is like some people digest beans a lot better than, than others, just depending on your heritage. Like what did your ancestry eat? So there can be, there can be a lot, there can be a lot to it. That's so interesting. I think what's, what's fascinating about everything you're talking about is so complex but also connected. And I'm wondering, what is your mission? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's all based on personal and planetary thrive. So at Yoga Healer, we have a number of different ways of, of helping people. So the, the way we always start with everybody is body thrive. So it's like, let's dial in your habits. So these are the habits of yogis. These are the habits that build resilience and adaptability. It's how can, how can we actually get reset into universal rhythms and circadian rhythms? How can we actually go with the flow of what our bodies are designed to do and how they're designed to feel? Uh, And that's counterculture. And that's the sticky hard thing, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the habits are earlier, lighter dinner. So you don't overload your digestion at night, then early to bed, which is easy to do. If you haven't had too many calories later in the day, you'll naturally get tired. Uh, a lot of people have issues with early to bed just because of tech addiction, right? So then we get to look at that head on. The third habit is start the day, right? The hydrating and eliminating. 
And people don't realize that we can, we can like retrain our body into, into these habits, breath, body practices before you eat that you actually awaken your pranic body or your energy and physical body and, um, and get ready for the day. So we create a lot of space before going into the day. And then there's, there's six other habits that follow that. that These are just like the most basic habits of yogis, uh, in yoga philosophy, it's called Dinacharya. It's the daily cycle. So if someone's in line with the daily cycle, what happens is they start to experience resilience and adaptability. The resilience enables them to do a lot more than they were able to do. Like their immune system is strong. They have surplus of energy. The adaptability is being able to actually, you know, take a few hits, take a few punches from life, if you will, and be able to adapt to what the situation needs, whether that's travel, whether that's an unexpected illness or death or, you know, some massive trauma that happens, there's an ability to adapt to the situation. So once once our members have that, then they go on to a much, uh, I, I say more interesting path, because I personally find that like a lot of people get stuck in the never ending health cycle when they, and yeah. it's quite narcissistic, um, <laughs> if I can call a spade a spade, right? Yeah. Where it's like, I'm, I'm in that zone, that narcissistic zone. <laughs> like, how do I look, right? Or yeah. like, how do I feel? And we, and that's a never ending cycle because I mean, yoga has this great teaching of like, wherever you place your awareness, that will expand. So if you mm. just continually put your awareness on your own health, you you can become in, you know, just like increasingly to the nth degree, more or less like obsessed with personal health. But the problem is that doesn't actually lead to a fulfilling life. <laughs> right? mm. There's more to life than how you look and how you feel. It's a really good baseline to check the box off and say, do I have the automated habits to thrive? If so, yes check that box off, keep doing those habits and you'll be just fine. Now you can get on to life purpose. And that's where my second book, uh, which is releasing March, 2020 uh, master of you comes in. It's like, how do you, how do you attune to a much bigger life? Like a much bigger life purpose, a bigger Dharma, a bigger sense of your ambition. Like, what are you here to do in this lifetime? Like, let's get on that and work through a systematic process with, with the five elements, with, your space or your home with your body or earth element with your fire or your ambition with your time, or your air element, and then with your integrity and flow, which is water element. Uh, and, you know, basically see what you can see what you can do. So I felt I feel like um, what you're talking about is really resonant. Like it sounds like such a utopian state to be able to be grounded in the earth, to, you know, be conscious about what you eat, to make an impact outside of yourself by taking care of yourself and helping others. So it sounds like a very profound plan. Can you talk a little bit about yoga healer? Because on your website, it it talks about it's, you know, you guys do yogurt teacher training, you know, who signs up for things like this? How do you attract these people? Because I think, um, I think the community that you started to leave less of a carbon footprint, you know, and being very cognizant about, you know, eating from the earth and eating things that aren't processed and, and having a more fulfilling, sustainable life. I want to understand a little bit more about who is Yoga Healer for? And, and I, I also would like you to define Dharma and Ayurveda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Good. Let's go back to the beginning. So Ayu means life and Veda is, is to study um, or to live the wisdom. So it's a living wisdom tradition. So that's what Ayurveda means. And it's the healing science that co-arose 
with yoga is inseparable from the path of yoga. Uh, and it's from the ancient Indus Valley uh, in Northern India. And it's evolved over thousands and thousands of years. Some people will give you a 5,000 year time frame. Other people will say, well, the pre-Vedas, that goes back to 8,000 years. So it's based on a culture that was, like I, I like to say, hell-bent on enlightenment. of <laughs> Like, what is an awake life? What is a like, what is possible for a human being? And that's, if we look over time, this dedication to living in alignment with the cosmos. So it's, it's big, it's big. It's like, you know, it goes right directly into spirituality to live in alignment with the cosmos that created you. There's things within, there's mechanisms within the human mind, body, spirit awareness that let us know if we're aligned and let us know when we're out of alignment. I mean, I just invite every listener right now, like you could create a quick list of three things that you've done in the last 24 hours that are in alignment with your life purpose or with your dharma. Even if it was like, I drank enough water today, like fantastic, check, right? Um, And you can also write a list of three things that you've done that are totally out of alignment. Out of alignment, right? right? And we can all do that. And we can all continually do that because there's a sense of continual refinement. We can continue to evolve. Potentiality is a moving target. So you never actually arise. Like the next level becomes revealed as you're halfway through this level. You start to see the next horizon. Uh, and that's, you know, to me, so much of what the Ayurvedic path is. It's, it's not just about health. It's about enlightenment. And then as far as the word dharma... The roots of Dharma are in, in, are in duty and in responsibility. Um, the roots of the word have a lot to do with caste, actually, from India. Like if, if you were born into this caste, you had certain duties and certain responsibilities. Uh, a lot of the concepts from yoga, they change with time, right? The, the, the deeper meaning transforms as, as humans evolve. And so now that we're in like a post-caste system, Dharma, like what is your duty? Like what is your responsibility? And I'll speak to that for just a moment. So I was born into, I would say, an upper middle class household. We didn't spend frivolously at all, but we had means and resources, uh, most of which were dedicated to education. That was the philosophy of, of my house. So I always had access to fantastic education, if not world class. Um, and that was the emphasis. So I feel a certain level of responsibility and duty based on what I, I just, I mean, I didn't step into this life starving in Africa and with the AIDS virus, right? Like that right. wasn't me. I stepped into this life into an educated household where the priority was education. Uh, and there was plenty of financial means to to pursue that. And because of that, there was always, always access to be able to make money in the marketplace in meaningful ways. Um, so I feel a certain responsibility in my life to be of service to humanity rather than like I could have become a stockbroker, you know, right, right. my cousins, he's worked on Wall Street finance for the last 30 years. He just retired. Um, like I could have gone that way. I could have gone that way too, but I didn't, you know, and that to me is, was part of my dharma of just recognizing like, hey, I've had, I've had certain breaks from day one. Like, let me fulfill my duty to, to respond, right, responsibility, to respond in a way that is deeply meaningful um, to those who my life will touch. 
I think that's so, it's funny because I have a seven-year-old son and I talk to him every night and talk about, you were given a purpose, but I am talking out of my ass. Like, you know, your job is to figure out what that purpose is and live, you know, and and be of service to others. But I have no idea what it is. It just sounds really good. And it, I'm trying to be a good mom and trying to raise conscious children. I've got a, a four-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy. Um, so I, I love that you are uh, putting words or articulating a concept. And one of the things that I noticed about your podcast from some of the episodes that I learned, I really like, I don't, I don't think it might've been released today, but the one about um, stress and sleep, um, yeah. that was really powerful. And I think that some of the concepts that you talk about and talk with experts on are very practical and very relatable especially with sleep apnea or people that are, you know, um, having issues with sleep or that teenagers need nine and a half hours of sleep. And the reason why they're suffering or have technology addictions have everything to do with something as simple as sleep, you know? So it seems like very simple principles from understanding what you're putting out into the world, you know, but you give some practical advice, um, to be able to do that. And I'm, I'm wondering one thing that you, um, you, I, I wrote down from, from your talk, you said, don't under, underestimate the power of belonging. And I thought that was so freaking profound, you know, um, of communities. So I want to understand your role in building a community and teaching others how to build their own community, how to make their own impact. Because that is like the superpower, Kate. Mm. Yeah. So who do who are we most you know aligned with? Like one of the things that I look at all the time is, you know, especially with my course members is they often know what what they want to do. Uh, but they don't, they don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. And so when we look at that, there's this, there's this how to do it. And and then there's also an, a, an efficiency. Um, so that's the effectiveness, how to do it. And then it's like, how to do it efficiently, like how to get there more quickly, that becomes really important. And what that's when you start to focus on those things, like there's actually a community of people moving in that direction and there's already leaders and guides that have done that journey. And that's always true. Like we're never really the first one. I mean, I might, I think it was like the first Ayurvedic podcaster, right? But I wasn't the first podcaster. And even the first podcaster wasn't the first person having a radio show. And even the first person having a radio show wasn't the first person with a message that had a, a that had a fan base around the message. Like that goes way, I mean, in the yoga tradition, that goes back thousands and thousands of years of like the guru sitting and, and, and giving teachings. Right. And so it's like, you're never really the, you're never really the first. Uh, and when we have that perspective, it's like, who's already, who's, who's at exactly the vibration that if I tune into that, I'm going much forward, much faster on the, how to do what needs to actually get done. So it's like the, what to do and then the, how to do it efficiently. And if we tune into the community that's already going there, boy, a lot happens quick. So for instance, in yoga health coaching, uh, that's, that's our global professional community of wellness pros, both from yoga and Ayurveda, but also nurses and doctors and body workers, nutritionists, personal trainers, mental health therapists, like it goes on and on. So anyone who's like, I'm here to help other people thrive, 
and becomes a member of that course, there's a few components to that course. And we're really clear before someone enrolls what these components are in terms of like where you'll end up at the end of it. And there's a big component on how to have a lucrative lifestyle, like how to make a great living and take great care of yourself. So there's a whole business model component. So say someone wants that. We're really clear. Like if you get in this community, like that's, we're hitting all edges of that conversation, all sides of the puzzle, all the edges of that conversation. And so you won't feel awkward talking about how to double your income as a wellness pro in this community. That's totally normal for us. Now, we're also going to talk about efficacy. Like, how do you get your members to results faster? How do you get people healthier faster? And then we're also going to talk about groups, about how people change faster in groups than one-on-one. So if you want a leverageable dynamic groups model, if you want a lucrative lifestyle, um, and if you're curious about yoga and Ayurveda and you resonate with me because I'm kind of, you know, I'm the one wearing the ringleader hat, (laughs) then you're going to love this. And that's a tribe, that's a community. So we know how to do it. You know, we know what to do. We know how to do it. And it will enable someone to just be in that. It's like a, to me, it's like a container. It's like a crock pot. And for anyone who makes fermented foods, I love in my house, we're always <laughs> fermenting sauerkraut or kimchi or gut shots <laughs> or, or whatnot. I'm a huge fan of culture. And, and if you want to understand culture, start creating food cultures. And you'll start mm. to understand how a food culture is not just the ingredients that you put in. It's not just salt and water and cabbage. Sauerkraut is different than salt and water and cabbage. It's a living probiotic organism onto itself that heals the human microbiome. Um, And that's really what a dynamic group can be. So if someone's like, oh my gosh, I love this conversation. That's your radar tuning into the community because there's a gazillion communities out there, but like which one are you like, wow, this, this lights me up on all levels and it makes me think new and better thoughts. So one of the things that you say, I think it's right in the beginning of the podcast, and I think you are maybe talking about yoga health coach or some of the yoga health calls, the free calls that you have. And you said something that really resonated where you say, uh, and I'm totally paraphrasing, I'll probably butcher it, but you said, um, you know, you ever have those conversations that you remember, they're so impactful that they change not only your perspective, but you start to change your behavior. And that is like, that's the magic right there. And uh, Kate, I don't know if you know this, but you are endlessly fascinating. <laughs> and I'm wondering- I'll tell my husband. <laughs> yeah, please do so. I'm wondering, I, I have to go back on this, that you started this yoga healer in 2001. I think it's becoming more normalized now, but you must have been like a freak show to other people in 2001. What was it like- um, kind of being the, you know, with your ringleader hat and then screaming out where, you know, people are going, this girl's crazy, where now they're like, wow, she knew what she was talking about. So what is it like mm-hmm. kind of blazing your own trail where there isn't so much of a path there yet? Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, when I tap back into it, there was, I was in San Francisco in 2000, uh, going back and forth between Ayurveda school and, and, and yoga school. And I was in two, two year programs. So yoga teacher training in 2000 was not a weekend workshop. It was a two year program. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there was this depth of, of seriousness of like the sadaka of the true practitioner uh, that was very 
in, ingrained um, in San Francisco, which was really the hub of teacher training in the United States at the time. And what I saw, and, and, and the more actually I understand, I think this might be helpful too, Allison, for just everyone listening. It's like the more you understand who you are, the more you understand your personality profile. So I really recommend everyone take like five personality tests so you just understand who you are. Because once I, once I understood that, it all made sense. So I'm really high in innovator, creator, futurist. Like those things always come up. But I didn't know that in 2000. I was just like, why is everyone paying attention to the wrong thing? And that's what I was also like in my teen years in environmental activism. I was like, why is everyone paying attention to fashion or like the next pair of like, whether it's baggy jeans or skinny jeans or whatever, instead of like, we're destroying the planet. Um, hello, let's wake up to this. So the more mm. I understood that like my awareness actually is very, very future oriented. So I was looking at like my unborn children's children right back in the eighties when I was a teenager, because my awareness just is very future forward. My ability to innovate the way that intersected with growing yoga healer was that I found there was a faster, better way to teach people Ayurveda and, and yoga. Uh, and so I, I didn't know at the time that I was a curriculum creator, but I started creating my own curriculums when I was only a year into both schools. I just started like, I was like, there's a workshop. Like someone's got to teach this workshop. Like, why hasn't anyone taught this workshop yet? And I was sort of blown away. And I'd say like anyone who's like blown away by what hasn't happened yet, like that's mm. your dharma is to make that happen. So I started teaching these two hour workshops, daily routines of a yogi um, to yoga in yoga studios in San Francisco in 2000. And what I found was like it mostly attracted wellness pros. It mostly attracted yoga teachers and body workers and, you know, people that were doing Chinese medicine and that's Were you doing yoga at the time or was it uh, an evolution? Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was, I was in, I was in yoga teacher training at the time at the mm-hmm. Iyengar Yoga Institute. Yeah. And so I, I mean, arguably like, yeah, I was in those communities and that's who was turned on to it, but that's, who's always been kind of turned on to Ayurveda in the U S is the yoga people until lately. And now it's like the spa people. So if you do like SEO <laughs> research in Ayurveda, which we do at yoga healer, I'm like, Ayurveda <clears throat> and massage comes up, which is a really different target audience than people who are really interested, interestingly enough in understanding Ayurveda. Hmm. <laughs> how do you, how do you measure success? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. So one, like one of my coaches, he's always like, what does winning look like? What does winning look like? And it's, it's very holistic, right? So in, he was in my office a week ago. Um, he's a brilliant, like very huge scale businessman. And, and, you know, he, when he looks at me, he's like, you're so, you're such an amazing integrity. He works with he works with entrepreneurs from all over the world. And he's like, you're so in integrity and lifestyle. And he's like, and I get that like winning for you looks really different than like, you know, 99% of the CEOs I work with. Um, And so for me winning, it's, you know, it's a 30 hour work week. It's working from home. Um, I have a global remote team. Uh, I eat all my meals at home. Um, I, with my, you know, with my husband, with my daughter, my husband was just home for lunch. We had lunch an hour ago. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just around. So winning for me is has a lot to do with family and lifestyle. My mom lives a mile down the road. I'll go cross country skiing with her after we're done podcasting. So I've created nice. this <laughs> idyllic life, my ideal. 
and I believe we all have the possibility to do that. Many people don't do what it takes to make that happen. Whereas I'm very specific and um, strategic. And that's what Master Review does uh, in that book and the course that goes with it, Awake Living, is helping people actually use strategy to live their ideal life. And then on yeah. the business side, because business is a huge part, like I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO, um, I'm the head coach at Yoga Healer. I mean, we have a huge target this year of doubling. We grew last year, we were up by the end of the year about 40% over last year. This year, we're, we want to go 100% larger, um, which is significant because I'm already in like top 2% of US women business owners. So I set big targets, but I'm continually using Pareto's principle, like what are the what are the 20% of things that are driving 80% yeah. of the results? Um, and I'm ruthless with when things have to change. Like we had to reschedule calls because we have powder right now and I'm in the mountains. <laughs> I'm at my ski house. Where are you right now? <laughs> I'm in, I'm, I'm in uh, Teton County, Wyoming. How do you have this cool background, this blue background that I'm <laughs> oh, looking at? You want to the office door? It's a mirage. Yeah, it's just a... Oh. Uh, because oh. I'm, it's so I love it. white. There's so much brightness out of this window. Look how fun. Yeah. So it's funny. I would have put a blue background because blue is my favorite color. <laughs> oh. You know, whatever is bright or something. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious. So, you, so you've made, there are so many people in your community. And I would imagine that probably one of the most gratifying feeling is, is when people, when that light switch goes on, and when that transformation happens and, you know, to take it back. So I, I know that in some of your podcast episodes, you talk about meditation and how some people get very frustrated with it. I'm one of those people that I, uh, I don't know if I hate myself. I just do not want to be in a room alone with nothing going on. I'm always listening. I'm always, you know, doing something. I'm very productive. I wake up at four 30 in the morning and I do some breathing, but, um, but I'm I'm not in that meditative mind space. So, for my own for my own personal journey, tell me about a time when you meditated where it was the most transformational for you. Can you please enlighten me as to what it might feel like if I finally get this stupid meditation thing <laughs> down? I'm really <laughs> resistant to offering the answer you want um, because, in many ways, it's not the point. So. In, mm. yeah, so the, is like the point of meditation to experience deep peace and bliss. I, mm, it may be one of, of many is to know that that's the backdrop of every yeah. moment. And so it is a worthwhile goal to know how to, to drop into that, which is already in the undulating pulsations of, universal energy, which feels amazing, which feels yeah. great. Like that's, yeah. I mean, it's not that that's not a worthwhile goal. It's just that if that's the goal now, we don't even have a shot at it. Yeah. That makes perfect sense too. And I think just having the ability to feel like there's value in meditation for me yeah. is, is the goal is to understand that it, it is worth something and not like just keeping me from all the shit I need to get done. You know what yeah. I mean? So I would reframe. Uh, yes, definitely reframe. reframe. <laughs> so one of, one of the, I would say like one of the biggest toxicities right now. So in Ayurveda, toxicity is really different 
than it is in the West. So toxicity is that which is undigested. It's a really fascinating concept. So when you sit to meditate and everyone listening, just put you in the you seat with Allison and I'll put, I'll put myself in there. When I sit to meditate, often what happens is that which is undigested. And so the process of meditation is, is digesting that which hasn't been digested. I, I mean, interestingly enough, like physically. So if there's undigested food, the energy of attention will go into digesting food. Uh, if there's undigested emotions, right, just from all the interactions wow. that happen through the day, like say, yeah. say you're like a typical mom and you do something, you have some interaction with your child and you're like, I don't want to do that again, <laughs> right? Like we all do, yeah. right? Like there's a better way. Actually, when you sit, there'll be a process of digesting that emotion without actually focusing on it. And that's the paradox in meditation is it's not through analysis. It's not through journaling. It's not through talk therapy. It's actually being able to be with what is. And there's a surrender into the universal intelligence that's part of all of ourselves that the intelligence uh, of, of us, of universal energy, it actually does digest the emotion. There's also undigested thoughts. So say it's fascinating because you, and I wanted to circle back to this because you said something about you don't know your Dharma. And I was like, Oh yes, you do. Um, you don't just create little left of center and have two children without, you know, and want to be a conscious parent and step deeper into your own thrive without. So it's like, what are your, what are your deeper convictions? Yeah. Right. And so even if we look at the process of meditation and how this relates to all that, like say there's something that you're, say you have like two disconnected thoughts. There's like this thought here and there's this thought here. And when they connect, it actually shifts your brain chemistry mm. It enables something else to happen. It enables another thought sequence. It changes your radar or your perception, your ability to perceive so when we sit to meditate, the, like what is going to create that synapse across that cleft, right? And, and that's what happens is those two undigested, seemingly disparate things actually become connected in the unified field of consciousness. Hmm. So I wouldn't worry so much about what your emotions are in meditation, whether the emotions of peace or the emotions of pleasure or the emotions of stillness or the emotions of extreme agitation, anger, fear, I mean, depression, like, you know, jealousy, like whatever they are, it's just to actually be in awareness of that without needing to analyze it. And then all the magic actually is happening on a subtle level, this, this digesting that which is undigested. That has never been positioned to me in that way. And I thank you for doing that. I'm, I'm going to sit on this as I listen back <laughs> and, uh, and, and try I still and figure that remind out myself too, yeah. that after, you know, I've been a 20 year meditator and I still on a, like a daily basis, remind myself of that in practice. Well, I think that's what is so interesting about you and about whatever I've consumed of your work so far is that it is incredibly relatable and uh, practical. And I wonder from, you know, what are some simple, insightful 
um, tips that that could make us all better. I mean, some of it you've already talked about is some of the the steps, but you know, what are we missing? What are we getting wrong? In your opinion? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason all our courses start with with Body Thrive with the with the book, with the process, with the tip sheet. I'll give you a, I'll give you a few tip sheets to put in the show notes yeah, thank um, you. for people to get just like on one sheet, like what are the 10 habits of body thrive? What are these habits of yogis? I'll also give you a link to the how to be a vata, how to be a pitta, how to be a kapha, uh, which is just a great way of just starting to understand your unique body type. It's where most Westerners really connect with Ayurveda is like, oh, it's my constitution. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think what we're, what we are missing in, in general is the habits. And it's because we're in a culture that eats heavier later dinner. We're in a culture that snacks rather than does intermittent fasting. We're in a culture that hyper consumes media, uh, stays up late because of that, right? Netflix says their greatest competitor is sleep, right? And that's real. That's true. That's not that's insane. It's insane. We know that if with sleep de- deprivation, uh, basically comes every health issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, sleep is, sleep is our best medicine always has been meditation close behind it, but sleep is second to none. So, you know, a complete elimination, intermittent movement in the day, like all these just super basic habits that everyone's grandparents knew, (laughs) you know, but they're our culture right now. It's interesting because as I'm thinking about the answers are so simple, getting sleep, eating food from the earth, or at least, you know, uh, consciously sourced food, eating food that is actual food and not processed bullshit. You know, um, it's staying off of some of the technology or kind of getting involved in that. And, you know, I talk a lot about um, about this on my show that I feel like, you know, we, we are scheduled from the moment we get up until the moment we go to bed and we do not give ourselves any time to process anything, myself included, you know, like we are, we, we, um, look at productivity as King and, you know, if something hurts, you take a pill and fix it and move forward. You got to keep moving, you know, or if something hurts, take a pill, take a drink, you know, go shopping. I know for me, my, my vice is shopping in chocolate. (laughs) Um, and you know, like it's, it's always an evolution. So, you know, I'm wondering the world is not organized well enough where sleep is priority, where good food, where people have access to good food. So if the world is pushing against you, you're probably the best person to answer this as somebody who, you know, has kind of pioneered and blazed your own trail when it wasn't very popular to do so. How do people um, stay true to those habits when the world isn't really organized to make it very easy to do yeah. that? No, it's it's true. I mean, with publishing the, I, pub, I self-published the book in 2015 and then Sounds True re-released it in, in 2019. And, and over the years, um, we've had so many people just be like, wow, the book, but it's hard. And it's like, yeah, so we have the course. Um, and this goes back to community, just like what you were saying. Like if you're, yeah. if you think about it, like if you were to hang out, say you were living in a household of meditators, like everyone had the habit, upon arising, before bed, maybe before meals, just taking a moment. Like say that was your culture. Say you had a culture of people that uh, went to bed early, you know, just basically had Wi-Fi off after 6 p.m. 
had Wi-Fi turned on after 9 a.m., right? Say you lived in that culture. Would it, the question you want to ask yourself is like, would it be easy for you to have those habits? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. do too, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing's true. Like when I was in college, I ran track um, and I, in my, well, actually even my first year, they put me, they roomie, roomed me with another person on the track team. Um, the second year, a lot of us lived together. I was in a culture of people that ran. I was in a culture yeah. of people that exercised every day at least once. Yeah. So for me to not exercise would have been harder than to exercise. And so when people come into the Body Thrive course, they enter a they enter a culture of people that are already doing the habits. They are not surrounded yes. by begin with beginners, they're surrounded with experts. And we have people that have been mentoring in that community for years. There's me who've been teaching this for decades. There's um, a lot of people that have been in it for three months, six months, nine months, a year, and then two mm-hmm. years, three years, four years, five, 10 years, right? So they're surrounded by a moving, momentous experience. And some people have just had a breakthrough. They've just been in for three months. But those people are like, you know, actually our three, six, and nine-month members are the ones, it's fascinating now because we've had, we've had, we have so much data over time at this point. And it's really common for someone between month six and month nine to wake up to their own habitual use problems. Mm. You know, it sounds like the answer is you find your tribe. You have to find a tribe. That's it, you know? And I'm, I'm curious. And not a tribe that enables you, but in a tribe that will actually push you to the development that you want to experience. And that's where I find a lot of people go wrong is they find a tribe that feels comfortable. You really want to find a tribe that feels edgy. Oh, I like that. (laughs) And one thing you said, I want to make sure I say this. You said in the, in the conference, you said we embrace challenges as evolutionary adventures. And I thought, what a great way to look at problems and shit that is just hurled at you that if you reframe it as an evolutionary adventure, um, I like that. And I'm curious, how do, how do people contribute to your mission? Yeah, I mean, all of our members contribute by taking the actions of their own yeah. evolution, right? And then our wellness pros do it by following our, our, our business model, which is dynamic groups, and they start to scale their own impact through that. So those are the two biggest ways, but even like podcast listeners. So we have at this point, we're over 2 million downloads. And one of the things, like I was in the airplane the other day and this woman's, I listen to your show, are you, you know, and, and, and it's the best way like she can help is just by sharing something interesting. Like you yes. mentioned sleep apnea before. So if someone has sleep apnea and they listen to that, that stress and sleep episode and they forward it to their mother who can't sleep or their partner who can't sleep or their best friend who they know is has sleep deprivation like that's t- that to me is how it works i always say that culture changing is a movement and the only way it works is when you share what you know what you've learned you know um and so how do people get in touch with you yeah, well, the, I mean, really the best way to find out how we can help you at Yoga Healer is to schedule a conversation at yogahealer.com forward slash conversation. So if like anything I said today was like, oh, I want to find out more, go there because my my coaches there, they know all of our, we have tons of like free video trainings and whatnot. Uh, but the best way to f- 
find out like which is the best one for you, whether it's an Ayurveda one, whether a Dharma one or a career one, is just to talk to talk to someone on my team. I have I have fantastic gals, Megan and Anna. Um, they're the easiest people to talk to and they'll get you in the right free training to see if you know, to see how interested you really are in something. Um, and they'll also be able to share really specific tip sheets. I think we have over 30 tip sheets, um, you know, that which is really going to address your particular desires right now. I love what you're up to. And I'll leave you on this one quote of yours. <laughs> I took copious amount of notes. You're probably like, this girl is kind of a stalker. Um, well, I'm just wondering, I mean, as you're saying this, I'm like, let me see if I can get <laughs> you know, anyone who wants the, because I did, uh, um, I did a webinar on community building and on tribe. So yeah, so there's a tribe video it. on yogahealer.com forward slash tribe. So if someone wants to, <laughs> someone wants to get all Allison's quotes firsthand. Yeah, for sure. But you said, okay, so I'll leave what on I this. <laughs> Your ambition is lurking underneath the surface, waiting to be ignited. What a powerful way. Kate Stillman, thank you so much. You're a culture changer. I appreciate all that you're doing and honor what you're doing as well. And certainly appreciate the time you took to talk to me and to my audience. And I, I am hopeful to be part of your mission as well. If I can contribute and share the word, um, I am your girl to do that. Thanks so much, Allison. <laughs> I really enjoyed your question. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. My head was spinning, really contemplating the ideas and thought processes that Kate Stillman discussed. I loved what she and Yoga Healer represents, community, wellness, kindness, connection, and a sustainable earth that starts with you saying yes to a better you. All of Kate's information is in the show notes. As for Little Left of Center, these podcasts are available not only on your favorite listening app worldwide, but also on Decatur FM and on Salesforce Radio. Text me your feedback at 470-242-6311. Go on. I'm serious. Text me. And if you haven't subscribed yet to my podcast, make sure you do it, if not for yourself, but for my fragile ego. Please leave a five-star review and most of all, share this episode with a friend or five. Culture changing is really a movement, but only works when the ideas are shared. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week.